Hello and welcome to the Accepted Podcast, a college admissions podcast for the savvy student. My name is Tyler Kusunoki. I am an admissions consultant working out of Tokyo with students from all over the world to help them achieve their college dreams. If you like what you're hearing and want to support this podcast, be sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your platform of choice. Follow us and hit the bell icon for notifications to stay up to date as well. Please leave us a rating as that really helps this podcast reach more people. And we'd also love to hear any comments or suggestions that you have as that really helps us refine the content and make sure that it is what you want to hear. So to get this started off, I wanted to read off、uh, one of the comments that has come in.、Uh, this is from Savvy. Spot on, clear and concise. Love the show. I'm a longtime listener of this and many podcasts, and this is one of the best. It gives great tips on the process and how to be a good person to rise above during times of pressure. My child just got into an elite school, and this show helped us help our child to find their path. Sabi, thank you so much, and congratulations to your son or daughter. Be great to hear back from you and, and know where he or she got into. Congratulations. This year has been incredibly competitive, just going off of. Some of the stats of my own students as well as their classmates. So, huge congratulations to you and very happy and grateful that this podcast may have helped in some way. If anybody else wants to send in a comment or would like to share some feedback on what they would like to hear, please do so、uh, in the Apple Podcasts in the comments there. So, again, Savvy, thank you so much for your support of this podcast and congratulations again. All right, moving on to the main focus of today. Last week, I talked a little bit about summer programs, and I kind of talked about summer programs that you should maybe stay away from. So, maybe not all that helpful of a podcast, but one that I think is super important to clear up because I do think that there are a lot of misconceptions around what makes for a meaningful summer opportunity. A lot of parents tend to lean into the tried and true of, you know, oh, is there a name brand to this? Or I want my child to experience what it's like on UPenn's campus. Or, well, we just need to do volunteer work, right? Well, let's just do whatever. Or I need an internship. Well, why don't I just bring my bring my son to work, right? And all of those are fine, but they also don't help your profile stand out in any meaningful way. Just because it's either viewed as pay to play, it is not relevant to the student's interest, or obviously nepotism is a thing. And especially in a world where a lot of schools are trying to get rid of legacy, where a lot of schools are really trying to give opportunities to first generation college students. That type of thing is that that indicates some kind of wealth gap, right? Or privilege is going to be a little bit frowned upon. So, all that said, I did want to spend today instead of of talking about what you shouldn't do, instead focusing on what you should do. So these are going to be broad. I'm not going to make any particular specific recommendations in terms of names of programs because. I want to kind of keep it as open and as possible. Obviously, if you want more detailed suggestions on that, come talk to me. More than happy to have that conversation. But first thing I want to start off with is you want to evaluate the quality of the program by its application process. All right, one of the most important things for determining whether or not a program is of quality is how it screens its students. Right, because for a couple things, one, you want to make sure. That you want to make sure that your child is going to be around peers that have demonstrated that they are capable, right? And so this is an example where the pre-college programs, some of the pay-to-play, like、uh, high school, but for college programs, 
fall short is that you just submit your email, you submit a payment form, and you kind of briefly answer why you're interested in studying this, and then you're good to go. Right? There's no screening, there's no way, there's no baseline that you can assume every other student who has gotten into this program has at least done this, right? And these applications also serve as a screener, not just in terms of capability, but also organization, right? Time management, right? All of these other different things. So um, always check and see what the application process is like. Do I have to complete an essay? Do I have to complete three essays? If it's an art arts program, do I need to submit a portfolio or can I just apply, right? And you want to get into, you want to apply to ones that are competitive, mostly because the big name ones, all the admissions officers are aware of them. And they are aware that they're competitive. Part of the reason that they have that certain programs are as high quality and high reputation as they are is because they are competitive, right? And so I know I mentioned that I wouldn't mention specific ones, but just as an example, RSI for that is hosted by MIT is a high school research program. It is insanely competitive. I worked with a student to fill out an application. It was longer than probably two to three, two or three college applications combined in terms of the qualifications you need to list to the types of questions you needed to answer the depth to which they really want to know why you think you deserve to be in this program right all of these things are are huge benchmarks right that only students who are really committed to getting into this program are going to be able to take the time to finish and succeed on right and so now you know your child is pretty much guaranteed to be entering into a peer group right that is going to push him or her and also into a an organization or a program that is reputed for how difficult it is to get into okay so that's one right is always before you decide on where to go right always be thinking always look through the application process and check what they are using to screen what are the questions like what are the things they're asking for how difficult does this seem to complete right and what can if we assume that everyone else who got in answered these questions satisfactorily satisfactorily what does that say about the quality of the community that my child is going to be a part of okay so that's the first one right so always evaluate the application process number 2 if possible, pursue independent research. And this is obviously a little bit difficult, right? And but I and I and I bring this up primarily actually to students who are in a non-IB education system because there is one distinct advantage just that I have seen in terms of your application to college that the IB has over most other educational systems, and that is the extended essay. The requirement for a three to four thousand word properly researched thesis of your own devising right by the end of high school and the fact that you are guaranteed to basically have done it if you are pursuing an IB diploma is huge because it is a definitive marker that you're ready to engage in how learning works in kind of the current iteration of college or university and that's a big deal right the colleges want evidence that you can thrive in their academic structure and being able to have a research paper that is done properly that is vetted right and where you had to come up with your own thesis work with an advisor all of those things are college processes right and the fact that an ib student just by pursuing a diploma is going to be guaranteed to have done this is huge now obviously there are things like ap seminar ap research fine 
right? AP research is where you're probably going to be doing the most independent research that will produce something that is equal to the IB extended essay. But AP research, you, would, you don't finish that paper until you're the second half of your senior year, right? So not valuable for the purposes of college applications, right? And so independent research becomes a way, A of all, to um, make sure that you are demonstrating that you're capable of handling, handling academics on a um, on a competitive college level, right? But it's also really important as a way of carving out something that only you have produced, right? Sure, a lot of people can produce research papers, but generally speaking, your research topic and the research you choose to do is going to be wholly yours, wholly distinct, right? So we take most other extracurricular activities, right? Class pres, every school has a class pres, right? So the number of schools that you're pulling from, that's the number of class preses you're competing up against, right? Same thing with kind of broad international service organizations, Habitat for Humanity, for example, right? UNICEF, right? Amnesty. All of these are great organizations that do great work. But if you're looking to have an extracurricular on your activity list that is distinct, working on one of those, again, it's one of those where, yes, great, you're doing the same thing that any school can provide, Right, whereas the independent initiative, right, because I need to see that you are basically at the age of 16, 17, a young adult who has academic interests, who has intellectual interests, and has the wherewithal to go about pursuing them. Okay, so that is something that I wanted to bring to this. So, how do you go about doing this? Right, first of all, you need to have something that you're interested in, right? It's very hard to force a student to become interested in something, right? You always want to hopefully have something you're already interested in, which is why I suggested last time that freshman year summer is a really great time to take a bunch of small classes, a bunch of shorter courses to just find something that you're excited about, find something that you are interested in learning more about. Right? so that you can build upon this so that when you come talk to me or you start to think about wanting to do independent research, you're like, okay, here's this broad field that I think I really love or here's a specific thing that I want to dig into very deeply. Right? That's very helpful. So you want that's why you kind of want to scaffold it that way is to start off with let's find your academic interest, at least for now. Right? Once you get into college, do whatever you want. Right? And then by kind of the summer between your sophomore and your junior year, right, or between your junior and your senior year, you really want to have that locked down, right, of say, okay, here's what I want to pursue. From there, it depends. There are obviously a ton of organizations out there that have now, because they have also recognized that there is tremendous value in high school research, right, and therefore, because there is huge demand for it, there is money to be made from it. That, that part is everywhere. And so like even Tokyo Academics, we have the International Young Researchers Conference where we accept papers from all over the place, from high school students across a wide range of topics. They are vetted, they are peer reviewed, and then they are approved and then students come and they present, right? And, so, and then they are given a unique DOI, which is a marker that d- proves that it is uh, peer reviewed and that it is okay to be used by a, another party as proper research, right? So these are great, right? And and there are organizations and companies all over that kind of specialize in this. So one way is going that route. There is a cost to it, of course. Um, these things are not cheap, but what they do allow for is a more guaranteed pathway for your child to be matched with a mentor 
who can really push them and guide them in their field of research, right? I had a student come to me and wanted to study the ability to apply machine learning to audio extraction using a combination of Python and a few other pieces of software. That's not an area that I have any expertise, right? I can kind of think about it, but that's not an area where I have the remotest level of expertise. So I'm not going to be able to take that on. And But finding her a mentor, finding her someone who can uh, really guide her was the next step. So you can take the more guaranteed route of let's just find an organization that, that does this and pay them and be good to go, right? The other method is uh, harder, but can be more fruitful if the child is determined enough. So with the student, what we ended up doing is we ended up compiling a list of professors. We basically went on the internet and looked up universities, looked up professors, looked up audio engineering, right? And looked up people who had done existing research in this field. And we just went down this entire list and found all their emails, drafted a cold email template, put together a resume, right? And some samples of the student's work. And we just cold emailed a bunch of professors, right? Um, she reached out to her math teacher. We did all these different processes. And eventually we were able to secure conversations with three or four of the professors after sending out like 80. And this turned out very positively, right? In terms of uh, she was able to secure a mentor who also gave her access to kind of the audio engineer society that he happened to be head of, right? And gave her access to and, and was able to provide proper mentorship and guidance for her throughout this process, throughout the research that she was going for, right? And that's great, right? And that shows, and being able to document that process and show what you were able to develop, right, really proves the qualities and demonstrates the qualities that a college is probably going to be looking for on some level, right? And so independent research can go a couple different ways. As I just mentioned, you can kind of go the route of looking up organizations that specialize this, specialize in this, right? Or you can um, kind of go at the more grassroots way of let's find people who already love this. Let's read a little bit of their research, get to know what they're doing, email them, right? See if we can get on a 20-minute Zoom call with them and then see what comes out of that. And it's more time intensive, but ultimately I think it's more rewarding. It is, uh, but it really requires a student who has the initiative or requires the student to have someone around them Right, whether that be a consultant or a parent or a peer who can just keep make sure they do the things that they are uncomfortable doing. Most students are not comfortable with the concept of cold emailing anyone, even their like teacher. And so the idea of, hey, I'm going to, I don't know you, but I'm really intelligent and really curious and want to know more. Can you teach me? is not something that students are most students are comfortable with. So making sure that there is accountability there is really important as well. All right. So those are kind of two options. The last one that I want to talk about, and I think all of these kind of deserve a deep dive on their own. So I may delve a little bit more into them later. Um, but one of the other pieces that I really want to emphasize that colleges, I think, are emphasizing a lot more now as well, is the role of community work. And um, what I will say is this, if you plan on doing community work and you want community work to be, or volunteer work to be part of the piece that helps you stand out um, on your application, it has to be meaningful, 
It has to be local, right? And then it has to be relevant to your interests and passions, right? And you're probably like, Tyler, that's a lot of qualifiers, right? Why can't I just go to a local food shelter and work? Well, have you expressed any interest in food deserts and food equality before? Are you interested in health and nutrition? Do you have a passion for equity, right? If you don't, why are you at a food shelter? Because it was convenient. Volunteering is not supposed to be convenient. Volunteering is supposed to be hard and it is supposed to take of your time. It is supposed to be a sacrifice. That is why it is valuable, right? And so... As you are considering meaningful, as you're considering the possibility of doing community work, I think it's very important to look around you instead of thinking about these big organizations where I can travel to Thailand and build a house, right? Volunteerism is very much on the down and out for college admissions officers because, again, it is viewed as an indicator of inequity, right? Because not everyone can pay to send their child to a foreign country. And have, and have them do something awesome, but really ultimately not impact that community all that much and then come back and feel like their life has changed. Because think about how that sounds. Hi, my name is so-and-so. I would love to come to your college this past summer. My parents paid a ton of money for me to go to another country to feel better about myself and the impact that I was making in the world. What did we do? We kind of sort of started a foundation for a house, but we were only there for a week. And we took a lot of cool photos, though. And my life is different. And I feel like I have this really cool essay that I can write because of it. Not great. Not great. So instead of looking for those things, look around you. Okay? Don't look. Be, start small. Don't look beyond your borders. Look next door. Look to your local community center. Walk around your neighborhood. What do we need? Right. I was working with a student who went to attends attends an international school and she was really interested in doing something, right? Kind of very interested in nutrition, very interested in sustainability, all these different things. I was like, okay, there's a lot of obviously you could do these big, huge things, but why don't we just start around you? So let's go on a walk. Let's just go walk around your neighborhood or the neighborhood of your school and see what's there. And as we were walking around, we we're like, wait, isn't that a blueberry farm? And then we kept walking like that also seems like a blueberry farm. And then we like just within kind of a 10 to 15 block kind of radius of the school, there were like eight to 10 independent organic blueberry farmers. We were like, what? What is this? And then we started talking to them and they were like, well, it's really tough, right? As independent small farmers, it's very tough to compete, obviously, against mega organizations against these super farms, right? But also against import, right? Most of Japan's, a lot of Japan's blueberries come from Mexico, right? Come from a lot of, they're imported, right? They come from other places. And so as independent small farmers who love to grow blueberries, it's hard. And so we started talking to them and we kind of surveyed each of them and talked with them. And we're like, do you guys talk to each other? They're like, kind of, sort of, but isn't it sort of like competition? And as we started, it seemed like, oh, this is a huge opportunity for some kind of co-op, right? And we started to talk with them and talk with other people and talk with some adults that, that maybe knew how to run something sort of thing. And we started to put together a kind of small blueberry co-op for 
these independent farmers where they could all contribute their goods. There was a profit sharing that we kind of put into place where because they were combining their techniques and they were combining their knowledge, there were more hands and more availability to do different things like marketing, right? A lot of these people didn't have a website, right? No way to, to advertise the quality of their stuff. And they were able to make a pretty legitimate, meaningful difference for these farmers, right? In ways that were measurable, trackable, and without the student, it doesn't happen. That is huge for a college to see. That you looked around you, you saw there were needs, you felt you had the skill set to help, but more importantly, you felt the desire to help and combine that to change lives. Colleges ultimately are small town local institutions. As big as the reach as Harvard or Yale might be, they are most directly tied to the city they're in, to the community they're in. And they need to have students who are going to want to make a difference on that level first and then go off and do great things. Okay, And so you being able to demonstrate a passion for an interest in local meaningful community work is huge. So those are kind of three things, right? Evaluate the application process. Think a little bit about meaning about independent research. Engage in meaningful local community work, okay? And whatever you are doing when you're thinking about your summer, always measure the value of the program by the outcome. Not the name brand, not the cost, not the time, not anything else, right? What goes out into the world that has your name on it by the time you're done? Is it just some certificate of completion or is it a changed community? Right? Is it a, a paper that is written, authored by you, that is published in a medical journal? Right? What goes out into the world that has your name on it? Right? Whether that be impact, publication, whatever it may be. Right? Measurable, definitive, provable. It exists. And it wouldn't exist without you. Right? That's how you want to kind of rank your opportunities. Okay? Now, of course... You should have backups, right? These these things that I've suggested are not easy, right? Which is where some of the recommendations and ideas from last week may come into play as a fallback, right? But always have those in reserve. You really should be focusing on some of the things that I've mentioned here, okay? All right, that's it for today. Thanks for listening to the Accepted Podcast. Again, my name is Tyler Kusunogi. We hope you enjoyed today's topic on meaningful summer opportunities. Join us next week for more on the complex world of college admissions. If you like what you are hearing and want to support us, be sure to leave us a rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your platform of choice. And again, do leave comments. We love, love, love feedback and we want to hear it um, and just so that we have a better idea of what you want to hear what you want to know more about challenges you as a family might be facing right um, i will always try to keep this podcast as relevant and up-to-date as possible but one of the ways for me to fine-tune the content that i deliver to all of you is to hear from you right so please leave a comment please leave a rating all of it helps Follow us and hit the bell icon for notifications to stay up to date as well. We also do regularly host events, both in person and online. So if you're interested in attending free info sessions with me and real admissions officers, check us out at tokyoacademics.com slash events. That is tokyoacademics.com slash events. That's it for today. And remember, the key to getting in is getting ready.